The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Howdy, everyone. Welcome to the Barca Block Honest Podcast. I'm joined by, I, I think we can go on a first name basis. I'm joined by Emil. You guys know him. You love him. Um, hardwood hype. Emil, what have you been working on recently? Just before we uh, get into things with Barcelona, what's been, uh, what have you been working on? So I've been, um, well, you know, I put out another couple of the, uh, the messy hat trick posts. And uh, so I'm, you know, a few things have come up. So my, my goal of having all of them up by uh, either the return of La Liga or by Messi's birthday uh, have slightly gone over, but uh, the, the last of those should be, should be coming soon. Um, and uh, in addition, I've kind of been working on, uh, on a couple of other things as far as uh, sort of longer term projects for, uh, for kind of consulting work and things like that. And I'm also, so uh, I think we mentioned the last time that uh a uh, retrospective on a Barca Atletico game from 97 that I did was in the blizzard. And uh, as of July, I'll be submitting an article to them for the squall, which is their uh, monthly, it's kind of shorter form, but it's their monthly uh, publication. And I'm not going to reveal what that's exactly about, but I might have to write it under a pseudonym in Barcelona. Well, we look forward to uh, talking about that if, if you're allowed back on the podcast after whatever you write. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping. I, I realize I'm towing a line here, but uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully I have enough snark to offset, you know, grudging respect that I'm going to pay to someone. So, Well, there you go. Um, so <laughs> as of recording this, Barcelona is at one point back of the title race. It'll probably be four um, in a few hours after Real Madrid uh, expectedly handle Getafe. Um, mm-hmm. is, the, is the title race over? And we'll get more specific later on, but it's kind of being talked about narratively like it's over. Do you actually think it's over? Um, I think the... I mean, for all intents and purposes, I, I really don't like Barcelona's chances. I'm not going to say it's over. Um, that being said, I mean, I think if Madrid win outright at at Hitafe, I would be um, very close to kind of saying that it's that it's over. I mean, the thing is that Hitafe are actually, you know, they're a very good team. I mean, they kind of are what, uh, in a sense, they kind of are what Atletico was sort of in the early, early Simeone days. They don't quite have the same kind of, you know, uh, name recognition and sort of, you know, high dollar striking talent that's passed through Atletico, but they're just really tough to break down, very opportunistic, um, just sort of really defensively talented and, and disciplined. So, I mean, they're the, they're the kind of team that, um, you know, will kind of, will stay the course for, for 90 minutes and make, make Madrid sort of earn anything that they get. So, I mean, I do think the, the best shot of salvaging, uh, 
Barcelona's title hopes, at least even for another for another few days, is uh, is Atafe. But if Madrid do go ahead and actually just dispose of them, um, I'd be really hard pressed to to back Barca to you know come back and, and take the title. I appreciate you uh, you you putting the hopes of Barcelona's season on Getafe. That's uh, it's very comforting. <laughs> pretty good, man. Yeah, they are. They are. Um, I think so. Th- there's a lot to talk about. We'll kind of we'll go one by one here. First, I want to talk about Antoine Griezmann. So he's kind of the big story yeah. coming out of this game. Um, Kike's unfortunate, fortunate, however you want to view it, comments about him quote destabilizing Barcelona's um, mm-hmm. attack. Uh, Griezmann's family is raging. Griezmann is raging. Uh, no one seems to be happy. This is this is weird for me. Uh, I, I before the coronavirus outbreak, I, I thought Griezmann had he had he had a couple rough games. There was the tough El Clasico game, but I thought overall, like he had done a pretty good job of getting used to playing with Messi. Um, I thought he had done a good job of integrating himself into Barcelona style. And for whatever reason, that progress that seems to have been made just seems to have been reset. And now we're at the point where if things don't pick up in the next few games, Barcelona's title hopes go down the drain. They're going to be in a situation like where it's not as bad as Coutinho, but if they don't do something where Griezmann feels more comfortable at this team, like this offseason could get a little bumpy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think, and you know, I, I can't even remember where I, um, where I actually saw it. So I don't want to shout it out with too much sort of credibility in case it's, you know, just some, some sort of like crackpot. That's nah, the internet. Thing, it doesn't but, matter, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there's already sort of, um, I've, I've seen, I've seen stuff and sort of, you know, seen kind of speculation on, you know, on Twitter and wherever else of, you know, is, is it already fractured? Like, should they, you know, should they, should they get what they can for, for Griezmann sort of this summer? Um, kind of take the loss and take the loss and move on. And, I mean, I think, I don't know, it, there, it, in a sense, yeah. I mean, he, he hasn't kind of fit into the system as, you know, he's not a seamless fit into the system. And he, he plays a certain way and, you know, he's, he's excellent kind of on the counterattack, you know, counterattack, which was the sort of the, the Atletico, I don't know, the calling card. And that was his calling card. He would just, and he was, he would run, he would just parry. He was just a, you know, he was a ball of energy, but also, uh, you know, just supremely talented. For whatever reason, whether it's uh, whether it's positional, whether it's um, some sort of personality rift, or um, you know, just even just the the perception that he's not kind of doing as well. Because I mean, in terms of productivity, he actually started out relatively well, and it just. But it seems like he never. You know, I mean, he's kind of the he's another nine figure presumptive superstar that the Barcelona paid, you know, just over the, over the top for that has, you know, been at best pretty good and at worst, you know, at moments looks like, looks like a disaster. So, and I don't think he is a disaster, but I mean, I think he's still a very good player. I don't know if the, where exactly the relationship with Barcelona stands. And I don't know if it's kind of, I don't know if there's a way to, to sort of bury the hatchet and, you know, kind of regroup and, and recover the relationship or if it is really kind of a, uh, a damaged goods type situation. 
Yeah, and, and we can talk about Kike in more detail later, but specifically regarding Griezmann, is this a Kike um, strategy problem or is this just a he's not the right player to mesh with a messy led team problem? I mean, I guess it's a little bit of both. I mean, I've been, um, you know, I think the there's been a little bit of talk, particularly I saw a little bit of it following the, the Atletic game. Um, where, so, you know, kind of some people, some of the, I guess, Barcelona sort of Twitterati were saying that, um, and I, I think justifiably a little bit, was that to get rid of Valverde when they did. So he was, you know, he was a consistent, consistent champ, you know, at least league title winning manager. He definitely wasn't without his faults, but to kind of get rid of him mid-season. And of course, you know, they didn't know that the, um, that the coronavirus was coming and there was going to be this, really bizarre, you know, mid-season shutdown. But, I mean, I think for, for Kike, I don't know how much he could really implement. I mean, he can he can bring in his ideas, but he hasn't had an off-season to work with these guys. You know, I mean, the closest he had was probably the, the three weeks, you know, the the, the post, post-corona or pre-restart three weeks. And he has no say-so over, you know, the the transfer policy and, you know, who's, who's in and who's out. So, I mean, I think it was very much, I think it was a little bit of a hit and hope. And I just think the, the, you know, in terms of fan sentiment, um, again, rightly or wrongly, I think it just turned so far against Valverde that the, you know, the board and, and management felt like they needed to do something. And, you know, Setien is sort of, he stylistically, sort of someone that, that Barcelona and Barcelona fans can dream on. And so I think they figured that just on talent alone, they could largely kind of just, you know, coast and kind of talent their way through the rest of the season. Uh, so that wouldn't be too big a problem. And then, you know, hopefully there would just be like this, you know, euphoric moment to where uh, Kike's style and the team just kind of mesh. And it's sort of this big, you know, sort of kumbaya moment. And that hasn't really happened. Yeah, and I, so okay, well, I I want to put the Kike talk aside for a second. Let, let's talk about uh, Miralem Pjanic. So that sure. deal officially went through. Um, <clears throat> I I put in my notes uh, noted Real Madrid fan Miralem Pjanic uh, only <laughs> wanted to go to Barcelona. That's of course a bit of a a bit of a barb. Just at previous comments from him regarding Real Madrid. Either way, sure. he um, he is an interesting midfield piece that I think brings a little bit of flexibility to Barcelona. How do you view his fit with the current team? Um, how do you view the fact that Arthur is the player they let go? And kind of just what are your overall thoughts on this deal? So I mean, I think the. With, with Arthur, I am, and I think we talked about this last time, like I was, Arthur is sort of he, kind of the, the latest in a growing line of, you know, excellent talents who who arrived at Barcelona and had kind of a relatively short tenure and, and are moved on for, for one reason or another. Now, in terms of swapping a talented 23-year-old for a, I mean, arguably an equally talented, but, you know, 30-year-old nonetheless, um, I mean, in the, in that sense, I mean, it, it's not, it's far less than ideal to sort of give up, you know, seven years of kind of youth and potentially kind of a, a runway to a, to a different era and things like that. 
I mean, I think in terms of the, in the short term, I think Pjanic, assuming he, um, you know, doesn't have any kind of issue picking up the, picking up on the role that he's going to be asked to play. Um, I think he should be a, a good player. I mean, he's a, you know, he's an excellent player. He's a, you know, he's a good pro. He's, you know, kind of a, a kind of a tested, you know, solid veteran. So, I mean, in that sense, I think he should be fine. Um, you know, there were, as there have been kind of these sort of things happen all the time, you know, there was talk of some potential, you know, nothing serious, but potentially like kind of uh, off the field or sort of almost like, um, I guess, personality, personality things that uh, led Barcelona to the decision to, to move Arthur on. I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I'm a little bit dubious, but at the same time, I mean, they, there's also some, uh, as should we call it, I guess, like financial engineering that's involved with this where um, Barcelona get to kind of come in under um, certain financial thresholds or cost thresholds by spreading the cost of Pjanic out over a longer period of time than, uh, than Arthur. So, I mean, I think in the long run, this is, it's a shame. Um, I don't think it's a shame in the short term because I do think Pjanic is a good player, but I just think in the long run, it's kind of, it's a little bit symptomatic of sort of what, what is at, at Barca right now and kind of the, the, the feeling that there are priorities sort of beyond fielding the best possible team sort of now and in the future. Okay. So, uh, you know, talked a little bit about future stuff. Just when I said the word VAR, what do you think about right now? Uh, um, <laughs> what are your, th- I, I, I guess expanding a little bit about that. How has the VAR slash La Liga relationship been and what does it mean to you? A meal. I mean, as a general rule, and the league is the, the league that I do actually watch the most, but where where I sort of have my greatest issues with VAR is um, on those really paper-thin offsides calls where, you know, I mean, the... Where they're kind of enforcing the, the letter of the law and not the not the spirit of the law, um, you know, when somebody's you know when somebody's toe is half an inch or an inch ahead of the defender's foot, I don't think there's like really a, a discernible advantage that's that's gained there. So that's kind of I do think, and it's gone both ways. But I, I think there's a little bit of a, a no harm no foul if sort of if an offside call that legitimately can't be seen by the naked eye is quote unquote missed. Um, what I, what I don't care for is the, I've, I haven't seen enough sort of maybe after the, the restart, but I think there's, I think there's a certain level of the subjective calls of, you know, was, was something, a you know, was something a foul or, you know, it, when there's contact, was the contact sufficient to actually send the player down and things like that, where it does actually come down to the referee's judgment. I've, I found, I get the impression that I think they're trying to be a little bit more lenient with, or I don't know, I guess almost like permissive of, um, of letting the guys play. But then at the same time, you see these very dubious calls the other way. I'm generally not the biggest, biggest VAR proponent. Um, I mean, I think the the same way. Like, I, I heard an, I heard an analogy made back when VAR was first being introduced that 
you know, players play the games and guys miss easy chances sometimes. And that's part of the game. That's part of the human element of the game. And I mean, I think that's the whole thing. Referees on, you know, by and large are good enough at their jobs that, you know, kind of just just swallowing the, the mistakes that they make in sort of in good faith is fine for me. It's better than kind of the, the far experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think that's been the conversation around video review and sports for, I guess, the last 10 years. I know a lot in the United States with um, replay and football, American football, baseball and that kind of stuff. Uh, the same conversations are happening. And I think uh, I don't think football in the European sense and specifically in the league has find has found that balance that doesn't that allows for the human elements, but also um you know, keeps things, I don't know, an offside is such a tough thing. Like, I definitely think VAR should be for goal review. I think that's one thing you'd never want to screw up. So that's actually, I wanted to ask you, sort of, where where do you stand on VAR as far as the, the various things that are, um, you know, eligible for review and kind of what seems sort of the most, I don't know, necessary or relevant and what could you do without, you know, and say, yeah. hey, if we get these wrong, we get them wrong. I, and for me, goal review is kind of one thing where I would never want that to be wrong um, as far as the ball being yeah, over the line or not. Uh, mm-hmm. Offsides, and I, I kind of, I honestly kind of like the unconventional approach, which is, I guess, an American football thing where I think offsides shouldn't be a VAR review thing. I think each manager should have like one or two challenges. And I think if there's like the most blatant thing ever that like the, you know, the, the Barcelona people up top in the um the the media booths or whatever are seeing something and they're like hey you should you know use your challenge on that kike and he can you know throw his little flag out there and challenge that offside i mm-hmm. i think i like that better than every offside call being up for var review frankly i completely agree i mean i think that <clears throat> one they still even when they're technically right and you know they put the they put the two lines out there and you know, you see the, the defender's line, the, the red one, and then the, the attacker's line, and it's just like three pixels in between them. Even so, like, even the, the whole notion of, you know, kind of, yay, we got the call, call right, feels so unsatisfying. And um, I mean, I, I do tend to think that as long as, I mean, the referees are in fact really good at their jobs. And I, and I think that as long as, you know, they're, they don't miss kind of, it's not like they miss a third of the calls or something. And so I, I'd be better off just kind of doing that. And yeah, even integrating sort of a challenge system, like you said, if it would make sense rather than um, just splicing pixels every time there's a close call. Yeah. So I guess just kind of talking about Barcelona at large, assuming, or I guess assuming is not the right word, if they don't win the La Liga title, how will you view this season? Um, I, I would say, do you view it as a transition season, but then Kike's hire doesn't seem to be a transition hire based off the contract, although, you know, contracts can mean nothing in football. Um, how, how will you look back at this season um, just from a Barcelona perspective, assuming they don't win the title? I mean, it's... Uh... Just, I, I guess there's still the, the Champions League, so there's you know, oh, that's um, cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you got to cling to what you have, but um, barring some sort of Champions League miracle, um, if we're looking at the La Liga alone and assuming Barcelona is not gonna, not gonna win the Champions League, I mean, 
if they don't win the league, it's just, it's a, it's a huge bummer, you know? I mean, it's just, they started, they started well. And, you know, there was, you know, Messi had a couple of hat tricks early in the year and, you know, before he got hurt, Suarez looked pretty good. I mean, just in general, they looked, you know, but it wasn't fine. It wasn't Guardiola's Barcelona, Barcelona at its best, but they looked like a, they looked like a good, a good team, like a worthy kind of a worthy champion. And just everything's gone. I mean, the, the whole thing feels a little bit rudderless now. And it's to the point where, I mean, the, you know, it, everything does sort of run through Messi. And at this point, they've kind of, they've cycled through, you know, the, the, the brass, the, the, the guys upstairs have cycled through essentially every, um, every high dollar target that they brought in as, you know, as a potential, you know, complimentary superstar or next savior or, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, who's left? Am I, am I missing anybody? I, don't, I mean, maybe like uh, Lengla is kind of the one, um, one signing of any consequence that isn't either, you know, in the doghouse or blatantly on his way out. Unless, I mean, am I, am I missing anybody? No. And I, I, this season, the more I think about it, if, if, if assuming they walk away without a La Liga title and without the Champions League title, is just one of the more wasted, strange seasons in Barcelona, like recent history. Because I think when when the Kike hiring first happened and like the Braithwaite White signing happened, like they were clearly mm-hmm. they clearly thought they had something short term. Um, this wasn't like a let's punt this season and you know reboot because you, you don't do that with Lionel Messi. Um, yeah. They clearly thought they had something, and and, and it kind of looked like they did a little bit. Um, and I think that's why this resume this resumed play after the covid um or not after covid but amidst covid um mm-hmm. is so strange that they look so lethargic and uh that the the effectiveness that we saw spurts of before the break are just gone um you know i i think i talked about this with you in one of our previous podcasts about like the training how a team like barcelona doesn't really have any excuses for training because of you know the 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 salaries that all these guys make like they all have home gyms like everything everyone should be in tip-top shape they should be ready to go and um i don't know if this is like a kike problem this is like a communication it's probably a combination of a lot of different things but if if they continue in the next you know few matches and throw away this la liga title it's going to be one of the more perplexing seasons in recent history yeah i agree i mean i think the <clears throat> i i get the sense so and i i apologize that everything kind of goes back to kind of speaking in, in hushed tones about the, about kind of the, the suits upstairs. But I do think that, I think a lot of it sort of does lead back there where, you know, I mean, I think the, the presidency is up for a re-election, I guess, next, next year, I suppose. And I think it was this idea that there was enough exasperation with Valverde's, I guess, you know, sort of, uh, you know, his conservative style and obviously the, the repeated kind of flame outs in the Champions League. I think when they saw that there was, you know, they'd essentially started well enough and if not shoe-ins, like they were kind of presumptive favorites for the for the league title when, you know, when the shutdown was implemented. Um, even prior to that, I mean I think the I think the board kind of made that presumption and then wagered that just Kike 
just on his own, irrespective, just you give him uh, a big, you know, a big squad filled with a certain level of talent and he's going to be able to maintain that. And so I think there was an element of wanting their cake and eating it too, as far as appeasing the uh, sort of the hardcore Barcelona fans who had kind of all this disdain for, for Valverde's style, but also sort of preserving the results. And I mean, I sincerely, I don't know where it sort of goes from there because, and, you know, other than Messi, and I guess you could say, you know, sort of, uh, you know, Busquets and, and Piquet, um, I don't think I'm forgetting any other, any other ones, but I can't think of too many individuals at the club that I think of as sort of anchoring the club. You know what I mean? Like just what is sort of, what is the club kind of tethered to at this point? I understand that those generations of, you know, the Puyo, Chavi, Iniesta, that whole thing, just that's, you're lucky if you get that once in a lifetime, but there's no more even, there's no Dani Alves, there's no, you know, um, Neymar for everything. Like he was, he was happy here and sort of had a good relationship with, you know, with his teammates at the very least. And now I don't know sort of from, from management, management at the board level to management on the bench to the players with the, you know, a couple of exceptions of the, the last holdover, like uh, La Masia guys, I don't know where's the foundation. Yeah. I had a trouble, I had a trouble getting off mute there for a second. Um, yeah. I don't mean to be a massive bummer, but it's just kind of like, that's when I look at it. I'm like, I, I, even the, the rose colored glasses scenario, yeah. It takes squinting, you know? Yeah. So how do you think about Kike moving forward? I mean, I think he's a, like, he's a good coach. I mean, he might be a coach for, you know, kind of a, a certain type of team. And I think, I mean, just I mean, the way you started that off though, is like exactly how you probably would have started off describing Valverde. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't think he's a, I, I certainly, I don't think he's sort of a write off. I don't think that, you know, uh, I don't think it's impossible to be successful without, you know, with any, because, you know, there's some people who are thinking kind of like, it either has to be almost like, you know, Chavi comes and takes over a la Pep or Pep comes back, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't think those are the only ways, and, you know, that kind of, that kind of swing for the fences, I don't think is the only way for this team to be successful. But I think, actually sort of having a plan and seeing it through. And I think that kind of extends beyond, beyond Kike, but I think Kike has shown that he's a, he's a good coach. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a capable man at his job. He, you know, he's, he can coach, uh, you know, an attractive team. He can, um, he, he can put a team out there, you know, and I know that defensively his teams have, have struggled in, in the past and there seems to be a little bit of, a little bit of the case here as well. But, um, I mean, I wouldn't write him off. I don't know that he's necessarily sort of the, the perfect person for the job, but, um, I mean, not knowing exactly who the options are going to be, I'd be okay with giving him at least a start of next season, give him a full off season. Hopefully he has a little bit of input as to, uh, transfer policy or at least kind of what he would ideally like to see and give him one sort of legitimate shot and, see how the first kind of third or half of the season next season goes, because if it really does click, it could be sort of what Barcelona has been looking for for a while. 
Also, I don't know exactly know who the who the top shelf alternatives are and how many of them are going to be dying to take this job at this moment in time. Yeah, that I, that's a perfect way of phrasing it, right? Like, obviously, they, everyone wants to manage at Barcelona, but this mm-hmm. Barcelona at this time, um, in this weird transition period with the presidency coming up for re-election, Messi's age, the strange mm-hmm. position they find themselves in terms of are they going to get a new attacker or not? It's just a it's a very weird time, and uh, Kike found himself sandwiched in between that and the coronavirus suspension of the season, mm-hmm. um, just kind of a, a recipe for disaster. So, um, Emil, I have nothing else. Thank you for joining me once again on short notice. You are you are a kind gentleman. Um, everyone check out Emil's work, Hardwood Hype. Um, check out his recent work in Blizzard. And uh, we will talk to you again soon. Josh, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. Anytime.